I'm Scott. I'm Bill. And, and we're, we're the, the Trade, Trade Guys. Guys. You're listening to The Trade Guys, a podcast produced by CSIS where we talk about trade in terms that everyone can understand. I'm H. Andrew Schwartz, and I'm here with Scott Miller and Bill Reinch, the CSIS Trade Guys. Trade talks between the U.S. and China have broken down. The two countries are readying more tariffs. Wall Street is getting hammered, coming back and getting hammered again. Who knows? The Dow plunging just under 600 points on the news that Beijing will retaliate. But the president is willing to stand his ground. I love the position we're in. There can be some retaliation, but it can't be very, very substantial by comparison. Where do things go from here? Find out on this episode of The Trade Guys. All right, guys, what do you feel like talking about? China? Do, <laughs> do we, we have to? We, I don't think we have any choice. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, what else is there to talk about? I guess we got to talk about China. What is going on? Yesterday was a bloodbath in the stock markets. Chinese struck back like the empire strikes back uh, after Trump struck first. And we got an all-out trade war, it seems. Seems that way. Oh, the, the good news uh, for those of you that invest is the market's on the way back up. As we speak today, it's Tuesday around noon. The market has recovered about half of what it lost yesterday, so not quite the bloodbath that we saw unless you sold yesterday, which would have been ill-advised. Still time for a disaster. Yes. Not I mean, that the trade guys are picking stocks. Oh, no. We, and we certainly wouldn't be giving financial advice. <laughs> no. Uh, and, and anybody that took any financial advice from us would be insane. Yes. So the whole thing is not good news because it suggests that this is going to be around for a while. What's going to be around for a while? Uh, Bill, the dispute. Bill and Scott. The, the trade war and the tariffs. Yeah. In fact, China started using the phrase trade war, uh, the escalation of tariffs on both sides. So, it, Scott, when did China start using the over phrase the trade war? Yesterday and today. In our news today, yes. And who, who used that term? Is it Lu He? Was it, uh, was it Xi Jinping? It was Chinese media. But the Chinese media doesn't say things unless they've been told right. what to say. Right. Okay. So Chinese are using the, the, the phrase. And then this, so this round of escalation has taken us further from where we were two weeks ago when we had all the happy thoughts about a, a landing zone. The agreement is not going to land anytime soon. There are major differences, at least in how the structural reform part of the agreement, any agreement might go forward. But at the moment, I think it would be a loss of face for either side to, to concede anything pretty quickly. So that's probably the reason more than anything else for this to continue. Well, the Chinese had a funny, uh, I don't think they meant it to be funny, but uh, they have three problems with the agreement. And the problems are they don't agree on the package of stuff they're supposed to buy. They don't agree on the commitments they're supposed to make on the structural issues. Uh, and they don't agree about uh, our position on getting rid of the tariffs, which is about 90% of the agreement. <laughs> If you add sure. all three of those things together. I'm not sure what else there is to disagree yeah. with. Yeah, okay, you know? so this is a flat-out disagreement. It sounds increasingly like there's a serious issue here. Two weeks ago, uh, the president was tweeting, agreement is imminent, we're getting close, right. happy ending. We have two cabinet uh, officers in China trying to find these landing zones. And to the extent there were leaks about that, there were some fairly specific things that it was coming down to. Uh, and it, it's very clear, I think, as we said last week, that the Chinese pulled back, at least pulled back from what we thought they had agreed to. Uh, so it's it's not like we're making this stuff up. But it sounds like there are more things unsettled than 
uh, we thought two weeks ago, certainly. To me, the worst sign is I always thought what to do about the current tariffs would come down to the end. That was something for the president's. But the easiest thing in this whole package is what the Chinese commit to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they can't agree on that, I think then we've got problems. Yes, the market access part of this has been offered repeatedly. Uh, and it's never been seen as sufficient by the U.S. side. But it, but it, there's lots of offers out there. It is, I think, a reflection of of the gaps uh, in the in the, particularly in the structural areas that the Chinese are basically saying we agree to nothing at this point. So. So what are, we gonna, what are we going to do here? I mean, is the deal before the next tariff hike occurs in four weeks possible? Well, only if our president is willing to settle for a lot less than what he's demanding. I mean, I think he's in a difficult political position. I think we talked about this last week. He can either accept less, in which case the Democrats will accuse him of being a poor negotiator and being soft on China, or he can continue what is now the war, which we're calling a war. He can, you know, walk away or at least keep the tariffs in place, in which case mm-hmm. the Democrats will accuse him of failure, poor negotiation, and what's worse, causing an enormous amount of collateral damage and producing nothing. You know, the whole refrain for the administration has been short-term pain, long-term gain. And a lot of people, particularly the farmers, buy that intellectually, that, you know, it, this is a hard thing to do, it's the right thing to do, and we're prepared to pay in the short term to get the long-term benefit. But if he walks away, what we've got is short-term payment and nothing. Right. And, you know, I still, as of last night, have listeners and readers of uh, my evening newsletter, The Evening, writing me that this is just short-term pain and we're in it for the long haul. We're playing the long game. President Trump's playing the long game and just buckle in your seatbelt. Everything's going to be fine. It doesn't seem like everything's going to be fine here. Well, everything's going to continue. I don't expect a settlement in the short term. Uh, For me, the main signal was when the president began talking about uh, basically taking tariff revenue and and actually going out and buying farm products to support farm prices. Uh, That's an indication. That that would be a state of mind of somebody who sees a, a, a resolution off in the distance if you've got time to uh, to well, muck around and, and in farm markets. Does he have time, though? I mean, the political clock's ticking here. First, on the Chinese side, something similar. They've started to play the nationalism card. Yeah. You know, if the Chinese people will fight back. This is about our country. This is about defending our country. There's a trade the war. Game. And they're very good at the long game. They've been playing the long game for 5,000 years. But when, when they play the nationalism card, that indicates that they see a long game here, that they're trying to whip up the people. The danger for them is sometimes when you do that, you can't turn it off quite as easily as you can turn it on. Big country, a lot of people. So, but it's a sign they do not see a quick resolution of this. Does he have time politically? Yeah, the the question has always been, where will we be a year from now? Sure. Now, where are we today? And I don't think we actually know. I mean, keep in mind, there were dire predictions of disaster from the first round of tariffs, which I'm sure upset supply chain managers all over the country and has made their lives miserable. Uh, But it's very difficult to find those tariffs in consumer pricing. Uh, difficult to find harm to the economy caused by the tariffs. So we don't know. now. This, this, That's going to change, though. I think it will change well, as we're escalating tariffs and broadening the, the scope of tariffs. You would think it's going to hit sometime. You know, math is pretty unforgiving in these circumstances. And so uh, at some point, it's going to have an effect. But once again, we've got this huge – we've got a $20 trillion economy – and our total trading relationship with China, imports and exports, is 600 billion of 20 trillion. Okay, so the scale 
would mitigate the effects to some extent. Plus, if you've got other positives, net positives in economic growth. Uh, so it's not clear to me that this can't work. I mean, there have been a lot of doom forecasts about the first set of tariffs that haven't come true. And the president seems to have continuing political support, even from the, from the pe- people directly harmed by the first round of tariffs, like well, agriculture. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. Joe Biden said yesterday, in a very simple message, he said, the only people this is hurting is working people and farmers. That's a pretty simple, clear message. That's the first time I've heard a Democrat say it so succinctly and so directed at the president. Certainly manufacturers, too. Yes. And, um, and not just working people and farmers, but he's right about that. And they, manufacturers are working people, by the way. But, but Some of them. Some of them. <laughs> but you know, having said that, look, I think as a political dynamic, the Trump elevator speech would, look, if you want somebody to give in to the Chinese, elect this other guy. Mm-hmm. Okay? I'm not mm-hmm. going to do it. Right. Okay? Well, former Vice President Biden's comment is not wrong. I don't think it. I don't think it really affects the politics. Ah, you see, I don't agree with that. I think Trump is painting himself into the corner, into his own corner. But the Democrats are playing this very nice. I think. Go back to what I said earlier. What is his choice? Trump's choice, except less than he wants, in which case he's weak and soft. Continue the war, in which case he's a failure. I mean, for the Democrats, this is a bonanza. They, they no matter and, what happens, they can attack. It. And and doesn't this seem like the president's got a little bit of his own ego invested in taking on China versus helping you working people and farmers? No, I, I don't, I'm asking. I'm well, asking. No, I think that's yeah. prob- that probably the case. But keep in mind, the bumper sticker is short-term pain, long-term gain. What's the short term? A week, six months, two years, undefined. Well, if there's right. still no gain a year from now. I think he, it's a big political uh, minus. Different, different problem. I mean, I don't know about in China, but this is an ADD society. We <laughs> a very much uh, instant gratification society. So, last time I checked, we want it fast. We want it now. Sure. And we want it the way we want it. So, I don't know if a long term gain. How much patience do we have for that? Well, if you look at it at 40,000 feet macro level, as Scott did, you can say this is not a big deal. But what you're going to see in the media is story after story after story of people going bankrupt, uh, farmers losing their farms, and, you know, really heart-wending human interest stories. And they're going to say, I can't sell my soybeans. Right. And I can't make my bank payments. And so I've got to give it up. And that's what's going to populate the media for the next year if he doesn't. Much like when the steel and aluminum tariffs first hit, we had the story of the Missouri nail manufacturer. And so the, the, this this will happen, and this will affect the politics as it plays out. So, what do you what do you think, Scott? President Trump is likely to do in the short term here. The short term, I think he sees how this plays out. He's not going to back down in the short term. We're not going to reduce our demands, uh, and I think in particular. He has been persuaded by his team, including Ambassador Lighthizer, that these structural changes are vital. You have to get them uh, if we're going to have any chance in the future of a reasonably uh, equitable relationship between China and the United States. In CSIS, I've had some discussion with China colleagues on this, and I think we all feel that if he has to make the choice I described between a weak or mediocre agreement and continuing the war, he's better off making the agreement. Because if he walks and or keeps the tariffs in place, then there's all the pain, none of the gain. Yes. You know that if there's an agreement, no matter how bad it is, he's going to say it's great. Um, and, and he's going to do nothing but say it, it's great for the next year. And his base is going to believe him. And then the, the Democrats are going to have to, for them, it's going to be complicated to explain why it's not great. So he's probably better off actually folding 
uh, at some point. I don't know that he sees it that way. Well, certainly, it's uh, when you when you declare victory, it's a pretty short expression to say how wonderful things are. It's a longer statement, and probably the elevator is way past ground floor by the time you could describe what's specifically wrong with it. Well, right now, he's got a decision to make, too. He has to decide whether to slap tariffs on the rest of China's imports, which totals roughly $300 billion. And that will be a big consumer impact. Going from 10% to 25% on the $200 billion, which is what happened last week, that's going to have a consumer impact. Yes. Noticeable. If you cover the rest of it, the $300 billion, which is like everything else, everything. then you're getting uh, iPhones, you're getting laptops, you're getting a whole bunch toys, of electronics. furniture. Toys, furniture, and apparel. Uh, there's going to be a, you know, anybody that goes to Walmart is going to see a very clear and fairly, uh, well, not immediate, but couple-month uh, impact. Right. You don't want your kids' toys to cost a fortune. I've seen what that looks like in Brazil, by the way, when, you know, because of their hyperinflation. Oh. And it's not pretty. Do your kids still play with toys, Andrew? Is oh, that- yeah. <laughs> I still he has sons, for goodness sake. Yeah, Come I three sons. I mean, you know, a big truck's a big truck, right? <laughs> you know that, Bill. There's a country western song about that. Uh, you know, yeah. I got my first truck when I was three years old. I drove 100,000 miles on my knees. Yep. <laughs> that, that's about it. Boys like toys. That's all there is to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, looking at this whole the way this has transpired, um, it's not odd to see the Chinese today calling it war in their media. It feels like war. It is. For me, it's a signal that uh, they think this is going to last a while. Mm-hmm. I think if they thought this was going to wrap up, that this was a blip and they could get back on track, the rhetoric would be different. And this, this is long-term rhetoric. Yes, and this is despite the fact that it's still in the interest of both parties to find an accommodation somewhere. Both parties would be better off with the deal, but they're getting further away from it, not closer. Our colleague Scott Kennedy um, says in Politico this morning, watch for more, even more retaliation from China. He says, quote, we should expect China this week to signal its intention to retaliate in kind and potentially other means, uh, the most likely being harassment of American companies in China's operations. Nationalism is a very powerful force in China. And if it's deployed, it shows up almost everywhere. I had a chance to, on a congressional delegation with a member of Congress, this CODEL happened to be the first in country after we accidentally blew up their embassy in Belgrade. Which was 20 years ago this week. 20 years ago this this happened. And I was with a member of the House of Representatives Ways and Means Committee on a, on a congressional delegation. And... We called it the apology tour because uh, this was Nancy Johnson, Mrs. Johnson of Connecticut. She managed to apologize to a deputy assistant secretary of agriculture for for bombing their embassy. But the the entire tour was predicated upon the nationalism that had been spiked uh, by that one event. And it and it's a it's a powerful force. It's a hard hard for us to deal with that given the differences in the society. And the Chinese play on this because it's a confluence of events. You've got the 20th anniversary of the Belgrade bombing. You've also got the 100th anniversary of the May 4th revolution, which was not a communist revolution, but it was actually it was ironic because it was very much like Tiananmen in 89, except this is the one that the, the, the communists like. It was the Chinese people standing up to the... Uh, to the to, emperor. To the, well, no, this was after the emperor, but to a uh, to a, the warlord government, basically. One of the things that President Trump's doing here at home is he reiterated his intent to spend $15 billion to boost farmers that are going to be affected by China's retaliation. So what, is, what does that do? Well, it, look, it, you can affect farm prices. In fact, we do it all the time. 
there is apparently a mountain of cheese somewhere in U.S. government warehouses. Really? That we've done – there's a price stabilization program for cheese. Probably Wisconsin. Okay. And uh, it's part of the, our dairy programs run by the Department of Agriculture. And there apparently is a mountain of cheese somewhere that – as cheese that we bought to stabilize prices. So the USDA has many tools for so doing this. So we're cheese in the name of national security. I don't security. know what we're doing with it. I would think you'd want to eat it well, before it went bad. it used to bad. end up – I mean, when I was growing up, it would end up in, in school lunch programs. And right. they'd, they'd give it to schools and you'd have grilled cheese sandwiches or you'd have this horrible, horrible canned barbecue beef that was some – the product of some surplus at some point. Mm. But but we have many tools for uh, for price stabilization in agriculture, shall we say. So that's what we're going to do with it. I imagine. I, uh, well, there's been debate about that. I think the economists would say if you're going to use it to bail out the farmers, the simplest thing to do is to do what they did last year, just give them a check. But this is the second the time this is the second time that Trump has hinted that he was going to give 15 billion in aid and and, and it hasn't happened yet. Well, he gave 12 billion last year and that actually did happen. Yes. There was it ended up being like everything in life, complicated, but they and got the money late out. and inefficient, but still. And the soybean farmers got most of it, and the, you know the fruit and nut people who <laughs> happen to be in California got very little and are not happy about it because they suffered. So there's there's all these distribution issues that come up, but the, most economists will tell you that's cleaner and more efficient giving them money than trying to buy products and then, you know, make them turn them into foreign aid or resell them on the foreign market on in the or marketplace. Dump them or, in the Gulf of Mexico or something. You know? Yes. So so what's the response on the Hill about this? What what are, what are Republicans and Democrats saying about this on the Hill? Publicly, the president still has support and he still has bipartisan support right. for China. Uh the China policy he's pursuing. But uh, we'll we'll see where it ends up as it's uh yeah, this is going to be fun to watch. I'm a little bit cynical about this. Uh, being no, one that, not uh, possible. The, the Democrats are going to goad Bill him. Bill is cynical. Yeah, well, it's product experience on the Hill. <laughs> 20 years up there taught me about how this works. The Democrats are going to goad him into a tough line so that when he fails, they can criticize him later. I mean, they've got to be salivating about this. It's convenient. First of all, a lot of them believe it anyway, so sure. it's not it's not like a stretch. Uh, I mean, Schumer certainly thinks we should be tough on China. It's very easy for him to say that. At the same time, he's not blind to the politics of this and, and the realization that if Trump doesn't pull it off, you know, this is a huge uh, thing for the Democrats, a huge talking point of the Democrats. The Republicans are unhappy nervous. Most of them are free traders anyway. Uh, uh, most of them think this is all a mistake, and they're all afraid to take him on. It's, well, it's what Scott said about his support in the party. And, until uh, the president's performance with Republican voters is called into question, he won't hear from Republicans. He has about a, a 90% approval rating among voters, Republican voters, and that keeps, uh, that keeps the criticism in the, po- in, the, in the kitchen instead of out front. His ba- yeah, his base has become their base. We gave right. a, a talk this morning, and Scott had an excellent phrase for it that essentially what Trump has done is he's hijacked the Republican Party and taken a party that was— I, I know, considered it a hostile takeover, uh, uh, the Carl Icahn style, you know, uh, sort of— sort Yeah, of here's a party that—it's definitely his party. It's his party it, now. It was balanced budget. It was free trade. Yeah. And look what we got now. You know, who cares about the budget and— it's a, it's a different world. of protectionist policies. But it, and it, it, nobody's it is, complaining. That's it is the president's party. Well, point. it's his party, and it reflects his style. Whether they like it or not, they're, they're behind him. And they're going to either go with him or go down with him. We'll see. We will have to see. Something tells me next week, 
at this same bat time on this same bat channel, we're going to be talking about China. Wouldn't surprise me, but uh, then again, it's a story about trade. It sucks up all the oxygen. We had a uh, got a question from one of uh, CSIS's supporters about Europe and what was going on with Europe, partly because the 90 days to make a decision about auto tariffs runs out this yeah. this Saturday, Friday. Friday or Saturday. But it, the actual question was about bigger than that because Europeans were in town last week to negotiate, and it was a low-level negotiation about regulation. But, you know, I hunted around. I couldn't find a single word about this anywhere. And all the trade publications that follow, you know, every time somebody sneezes in the trade world, there's an article. Absolutely nothing. It's all China all the time. There really are other countries in the world, and there really are other issues going on. And the, the auto tariff thing is actually an important question. Yes, and we have, we have their important issues contested with other trading partners, but nobody's talking. Well, you know, Godzilla against King Kong's a good story. It is. Draw some eyeballs. The, the movies Godzilla is going up against Mothra and several others coming up. We saw that I saw the trailer for it over the weekend. <laughs> they they pull Godzilla out of storage in order to save the world from the other ones that are worse. So this is the new uh, something. Godzilla has become the good guy. So he's a tragic hero now. I don't know how the movie ends, but he's still very large and very green. I'm still stuck in the Marvel universe. You guys have lost me, but. Until next week, I guess we will be talking about China all this week and all next week. Stay right here on The Trade Guys. We'll be back with you next week. Excellent. To our listeners, if you have a question for The Trade Guys, write us at tradeguys at csis.org. That's tradeguys at csis.org. We'll read some of your emails and have The Trade Guys react to it. We're also now on Spotify, so you can find us there when you're listening to the Rolling Stones or you're listening to Tom Petty or whatever you're listening to. Thank you, Trade Guys. Thanks, Thank you. Andrew. You've been listening to The Trade Guys, a CSIS podcast.